Um, you know, I don't know about you, but when, when I, whenever I thought about the Passover, whenever you read in the Passover, um, in, in the scripture about the Passover, I thought, you know, it's kind of a downtime or, you know, you think of Jesus celebrating the Passover with his, with his friends, with the apostles and everything. It's, it's like subdued. It's, it's anything but that. This, for the Jews, would have been the, the, uh, the feasting of, of Thanksgiving and all of the songs and traditions and joy of Christmas rolled into one. So uh, what you have is the beautiful exciting celebration of Passover. So here we are, we're going we're gonna to be looking at two different things. One is the ancient Passover, right? Which is from the time of Moses. Uh, some estimate 1440 BC. Um, believe they made a movie recently by that title. And the other, so this is very ancient and God prescribed it. And the other is the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper that Jesus celebrated with his apostles was the Passover, the Seder, which means order. So as we go into that, we get to see uh, the through line of God's redemption uh, in history and in Scripture. And it's wonderful. Uh, as Jesus celebrated the Passover, he also fulfilled it. Uh, so looking at both will be very meaningful for us. It is the story of God from the very beginning, after the fall, calling a people together. That's why we're at tables together. He's calling a, a people through whom he can bless all the world, all creation. Uh, a people in whom he could show his great glory, his great mercy, his great grace, and set them free. Set them free. And how he can set us free. And that is fulfilled in, in the Messiah. And they talk about the Messiah coming uh, in, the, in the ancient Jewish Passover. And they called it Mashiach. So it was Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus the Messiah, who has come for us. And through his death on the cross, his resurrection uh, has fulfilled all of that. And, and that's what we look forward to. Now that there are people at each table, before we dive in, who are going to play special roles, we need to identify them now so that as we go through and we talk through, we, you know who you are. The first is the patriarch. So we need the eldest gentleman at each table. Identify who that is. Figure it out. There's some awkwardness there. Whoever that is, there is a plate. There is a plate of... Matzahs that is covered over with a napkin. That needs to be right near you, whoever that is. You see that plate right there? The only one that's covered with a napkin. Don't do anything with it now. Now, some of the other, yes, just make sure it's in front of you, whoever you are. When I refer to the patriarch, that's you. Okay, there are some other things I just want to identify on the, on the plates, on the tables. There are four cups. We're going to do four uh, glasses. They would have traditionally done this with wine. We're doing it with grape juice because, gee, if you're slamming four of them, who knows what's going to happen. Um, so you have four. Each one, uh, each person has four. Uh, in those central bowls, there is one of salt water. There is one of horseradish, which is going to serve as our bitter herbs. And there is one uh, of, of a, a substance uh, that looks, uh, well, it looks like a substance. Uh, it's called haraset. 
and it is walnuts and, and figs and... Uh, do you want me to just talk? Okay. Um, and dates and things. Now the matriarch. Whoever is the matriarch is the oldest woman, the eldest, most seasoned woman at each table. Figure out who that is. Figure out who that is. And you need, you need the... You need the candles and the matches in front of you, whoever that is. You're going to be needing them very shortly. Okay. All of the foods uh, are symbolic. You're, you're not seeing, what you're not seeing uh, are, they wouldn't necessarily feast on these things. There's a tremendous feast, and you'll see where that comes in the service, but um, it would be all kinds of wonderful food. Uh, but this was the ceremonial uh, foods, and they're all very symbolic. In Exodus 3, 8, 13, 8, 13, 8 rather, uh, there are four promises that God makes um, to his people, and that's what's represented by your four cups, and we'll go through that. The setup is here. Pharaoh is the king in Egypt, and he has taken God's people, the Israelites, captive and hostage. And he has abused them. He has overworked them. He has deprived them of basic rights. And he has mocked their God, God Almighty. So God, God's people cry out. God has mercy on them. He calls Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And, and you know the story, many of you, and, and, and tell him to let my people go. To, to free them. And of course, Pharaoh won't do that. And Moses is getting a little uh, nervous, so he wants to go with his brother Aaron. So the two of them decide they're going to go to Pharaoh by the Lord's command and tell him to free the Israelites, let his people go. Now, what happens is that Pharaoh mocks, mocks them, and God begins to unfold a series of plagues upon uh, Pharaoh and the people of Egypt, with each one giving them a chance to repent and relent and release God's people. But every time, uh, what happens is they, they ask him, he says, no, God sends the plague. And then Pharaoh says, oh, this is bad. This is really bad, and I'm really sorry. Tell your God to make it stop. And Moses and Aaron do, and God does. And then they said, now will you let uh, the Israelites go, and he goes, uh, nah, I just uh, changed my mind. So these increase in severity. Uh, the whole city now is full of bloody water, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock who are dead, boils, hail, and every time Pharaoh is, is changing his mind. Actually, he's hardening his heart. Eventually, God sends his last two plagues. Uh, one is that he makes all of Egypt dark. Check this out. I mean, just picture this. All of Egypt dark all the time, except for where the Jews are. I want to see that, you know? I want to because can't you see like one of the Egyptians going into the, the Israelite camp and darkness is just following them? Um, but that that was not getting his attention. So here we are, getting ready for the Passover. That is the 10th plague because he won't set him free and God is getting ready to do something so shocking. 
that shows how much he wants his people free, that Pharaoh and the people of Egypt will be begging his people to leave. And this is what they celebrate at Passover. So we're going to read the scripture, and then we're going to go through the celebration. It's from Exodus 12, and rather than read you the whole chapter, I'll read you selected portions. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, according to the size of the home for a household. And if the household is too small for a whole lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take it according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and you shall make your count for that lamb and your lamb shall be without blemish. You see, uh, God was saying, this is going to be the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, and you're not gonna give me as a sacrifice your leftover, the one you don't think you can sell, the one with five legs, three eyes, and a horn coming out. Uh, You know, that's not the one I want. The one I want is the perfect one. A male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. And then when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Now watch with me what God does here. It's very important. If you miss everything else, if the parsley just distracts you, catch this, get this. Then they shall take some of the blood of the lamb. And put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of their houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. That's what we're going to do. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened and the sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. They're getting ready to leave. They're going to be set free. They're eating it in anticipation of God doing the unthinkable, the unimaginable. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and all all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and I will see the blood of the lamb, and I will pass over you. That's where we get the word Passover. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This Day shall be a day, a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. And to this day, the faithful Jewish people are celebrating Passover. And we'll see many of the ways they do that. 21, then Moses called the elders of Israel, said to them, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. Kill the Passover lamb, take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until morning. Stay under the blood. Stay under the blood. Do not leave. It's not safe. You'll be destroyed. 
For the Lord will pass through and strike the Egyptians when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts. The Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your homes and strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And then when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? Why are we doing this? Why are we getting together and doing this? We will say it is a sacrifice for the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but struck and spared our houses. And the people all bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did what they were instructed. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon. And the firstborn of the livestock, and Pharaoh rose up at the night, and he called all the servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night. This is Pharaoh. He says, go. Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord. As you have said, take your flocks, take your herds, and as, as I have said, be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks, on their shoulders, and they baked unleavened cakes without yeast, not risen. Of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Okay, now, Pharaoh and the captivity represents sin, Satan, and death. And God set his people free as long as they stayed under the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed. And he commands the Jewish people, and Jesus believed and practiced this, to celebrate. We have been set free. We have been set free. So it's a joyful celebration. And we'll begin it now. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, as we stumble through um, the instructions you have given your people, as we enjoy each other, as we enjoy freedom in Christ, let us have a glimpse of your eternal plan to call out a people that you can show your mercy and grace and use them to bless all creation. It's such an honor to be at your table. Uh, be present with us and help us see you and you only. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin the Passover. The matriarch, the woman of the house, performs the candle lighting ceremony. So I'd ask you to get the candles close to you. Be very gentle with them because we did not have appropriate candle holders. We had to melt the little votives and stick them in there. So be gentle. You want to light each candle. And then there's an instruction. Keep them close to you. This is called the Nerot. Light them both. 
Now, when, you're, when they're lit, everybody got it? We're close. Okay, good. When they're lit, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're a family. We can... Uh... All right. The woman, the matriarch, would take her hands, and I want you to do this with me. She would wave them toward herself over both flames. Look, if I'm messing this up, you're going to fix it, right? Okay. My, my, my sweet Jewish friend, okay. As if welcoming the light into the celebration. Not too close. Don't burn yourself. And then, as though, as though you would, uh, I think the woman would be standing at this point. She would place her hands over her eyes so as not to uh, see the light. And, and repeat this prayer after me. Blessed art thou, Lord, our God, master of the universe, who sanctifies us with your commandments and commanded us to kindle the light of the holiday. Now place the candles in the center of the table and be seated. Since Jesus was born to Mary, it is appropriate for the woman of the house to begin this celebration. And she brought the light of the world into the world. So the matriarch would light the candle. And as we look at the candles, we remember that the true light is Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, come to set us free from darkness. So we modify the blessing. I'm doing my best. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melacha ha-olam Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to be a light to the nations and who gave us Jesus, our Savior, the light of the world. The next step is the Kadesh, the first cup. So I'd ask that you pass around the juice and conserve it because we, we're doing four throughout the evening. So uh, just the first one. Fill it up with enough to just get a sip. Pour a bit of grape juice. As I mentioned, in Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7, God makes four promises to his people. This one symbolizes sanctification, which means to be set apart, to be made holy. This is the cup of sanctification. So before we drink it, we all say the Kedush blessing over it. Repeat after. Is everybody filled yet? Okay, take your time. I'm trying to get you, you know, we don't want to make it a Passover breakfast, do we? All right. Come, come on in. Okay, just look up when you've got your cups full. Um, we may need, I think we're going to, we're going to need another picture if, if we can. Repeat after me, the Kadesh blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God. Everybody. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God. King of the universe. King of the universe. 
king of the negus, creator of the fruit of the vine, creator of the, you have chosen us, you have chosen, and called us out from the world, and called us out, and given us times of joy and gladness, given us times of joy. You sound joyful and glad. I just want to point that out. Like this celebration of our freedom in you. Like this celebration of our freedom in you. Great, great. want you to then, this is a toast, so we gladly, we take it and we drink it. This is a celebration that God has called us out. And it's not a shot. You, uh... Now, in the past, this would be beautiful. They would have glasses and plates and, and, and people would be decked out. This is a special, joyous time. It's great. Now, uh, if there are children present, this would be a blessing of the children. If there are little ones at your table, you may do this. If you're the parent, uh, if you have a son, I invite you to put your, or grandson, put your hand upon his head. And they would say, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, if you have a daughter present, you would place your hand upon her head and say, may God make you, may God make you like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, yes. Now, uh, I believe this is where the expression started, why can't you be like your older brother? Why can't you be like... But God means it as a biblical example, a blessing. We're pronouncing upon them what we believe God can make them because that's part of the whole redemptive plan. Now, before they launch into more of the dinner, this would be a time for a ceremonial hand washing and there would be a pitcher and a basin and you would pour three times over, over one hand and then over the other. And, 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 and many believe that this is the point in the meal where Jesus went a step further and he took, out his, took off his outer garment and he, he grabbed a towel and he tied it around himself Apparently, Jesus owned towels longer than this one. Um, and he got a basin. And he went to his friends. And he kneeled down. And he began to wash their feet. And they protested because it's, it's embarrassing. You know, feet are... Uh, the part of our body that doesn't get much honor. And Jesus, being Lord, knelt down and, and took the feet of his friends and he, uh, he began to wash them. And there were some who were with him, one who would um, betray him. Not 12 hours from then, And he washed his feet too. And I'll bet he blessed them and prayed for them when he did it.
And he said, if I have washed your feet, you should go and wash each other's. And it's a call to us to serve. It's a call to be humble. It's a call that if Jesus can leave his throne and wash the feet of the one who will turn him in and cause him to be uh, arrested, then there's nobody I can find who doesn't deserve me kneeling in front of them. I'm working that out in my life. It's not an easy thing, because if you're like me, you got to fight through a lot of pride and a lot of expectations about how people should treat you. But the good news of this night is that the God who created everything came to serve us. Oh, that's heavy. That's great. And so in, in delight and appreciation, we should serve him, serve him and each other. Um, so we move on. Uh, after the hands were, I know this is the special time because you're saying, when can I eat the parsley? Now. Now's the time. Um, this is called the karpas. Uh, the dipping of the vegetables, the par parsley represented for the Jewish people. Their humble beginnings. Take a sprig of the parsley on your plate and hold it up. And while you do so, repeat the karpas blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord our God. I'm liking this more. Master of the universe. Creator of the fruit of the earth. You have brought us through our humble beginnings and times of tears into times of joy. One of the bowls on your table is filled with salt water. And what we encourage you to do now is to dip the parsley into the salt water. Here's something you kids will like when you shake it. It makes it look like tears, okay? And this is symbolic of the fact that God has brought us through the difficulty. He's brought the Israelites through the tears that they shed while they were in captivity, the tears that we shed when we're in the bondage of sin, Satan, and death, and he transforms that. That's right, because the parsley is a, is a living, green thing. And, and, and so we encourage you to do that right now. Yes, you do. All of it. Are you okay? Enjoy that. Yeah. All right. Tina, did your family celebrate Passover? No. Did your friends? Do you have a sense of? Okay. Was it long? Yeah. This one's not. No, don't worry about that. We're moving. But usually they would, there would be songs and games, and a lightness, because it's a story of our freedom. It's the story of our redemption. Okay, now is the time for the yachat, breaking the matzah. So I need, what I need is the patriarch to take the matzah in front, and you want to uncover it. Now listen to these instructions. Take, don't do anything with that napkin. We're going to need it. We're going to need it, but uncover it. 
Now you have three matzahs. I want to ask you to lift them up so everyone at your table could see them. And repeat this prayer after me. This is the bread of affliction. We're going to try that again, man. This is the bread of affliction. Which our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. Which our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. All who are hungry. All who are hungry. Let them come and eat. Let them come and eat. All who are needy. Let them come celebrate Passover with us. Come celebrate Passover with us. Now put the matzahs down on the plate in the order in which they are. Now take the middle one out from the middle and break it in half. Two pieces. Okay, hold it right there. It's okay. It's okay. They're not going to be the same size. Uh, don't, don't, don't distribute it yet. This is the bread of the, of, of the affliction. For the people of the Old Testament, they were reflecting on the affliction that they've been through. For those of us who, who are on the other side of the cross, who see Jesus as the Messiah, it is the bread of the affliction of Christ on our behalf. The three pieces of matzah represent the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The middle one, the Son, has been broken. Okay? I want you to take the larger piece that you broke off and wrap it up. There probably is one, if you can't decide, wrap it back up all the way in the, in the napkin. It is hidden for a time. One of the things that they do during the ceremony is that if there is a child at the table... The children will cover their eyes and the patriarch will hide this hidden piece somewhere in the room, okay? Feel free if you have a child at your table to do that. This represents the death, listen, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, the bread of life. Because as he was broken and he died and was buried, now the children at some point will go find this during the meal, during the celebration, and bring it back to us so our celebration can be complete. So it is restored to us. It symbolizes his death, his burial, his resurrection. Now we're going to pour the second cup, but do not drink it. Please do that. This is the Magid. Okay, this is the Magid. When everybody has a second cup poured, this is the time of the feast, the time of the dinner when they would tell the Passover story. Of course, we started that because we're less familiar with it. Um, but this is the time when they would tell the Passover story we told in the beginning. Rob Bell, uh, a pastor, put it this way about the Passover, and it was so powerful that I, that I wanted to, to use this tonight. He said, at the first Passover, the Jews smeared the blood of the sacrificed lamb 
on their doorposts so that death would not enter into their house. At the cross, God smeared the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, on the doorposts of the universe so that death might not come into those who believe. One aspect that the Jews would use in the conversation at table would be how is this Passover your own? How is this Passover your own? How has God set you free from bondage and slavery? How do you take personal stake in this Passover? I invite you to take a few minutes at the table for those who would like to share to do that. How is this your Passover? Just with the people at your table. Has God set you free in one way or another? When did it happen? How did it happen? How is it still happening? Take a minute. Thank you. The second cup is one of deliverance. Don't drink it yet. Take a piece of the lamb on your plate. Hold it up. Repeat the words of John the Baptist. This is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Put it down. The Lamb of God, the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb that they would choose from their flock would only cover over sins who could not forgive them forever. But the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, once and for all was sacrificed and is enough. The patriarch now holds up the bottom matzah with the broken one. And we all repeat, blessed are you, Lord. Blessed are you, Lord. Oh, oh Lord, our God. The Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from heaven. Now break a piece of the bottom matzah and pass it to each person on the table. Each person gets a piece. This is unleavened bread. As we read in the scriptures, there's no yeast. They were in haste. There was no time for the dough to rise. And there is even more symbolism here. Yeast is the natural process of breaking down, of decay, of death. And so there is no yeast, there is no decay in this bread. 
And so they use unleavened bread. Also in that day, it was very common for them to take a part of an old dough, an old soured dough to get that whole process started and add it to the fresh lump of dough that they were using to create the bread. That would mean that inherited in this loaf was the history, was the brokenness of what came before. Because there is no leaven, because there is no old dough in this one, it is like Christ not inheriting, coming fresh, and creating that same unstained, undecayed new life that is not subject to death. Now, Un, uh, Jesus is the unleavened bread. We eat his bread and take his bread as his affliction. You may eat that piece and drink the second cup of deliverance. Thank you. Now, you might want to chase it with a drink. Yeah, it's dry. The maror, the eating of the bitter herbs, reminds us of the bitter suffering and sorrow that sin brings to our life and bondage to sin. The koresh uh, is the sweet hope of redemption. So what we have now is we have another piece of matzah, which the patriarch will break off and pass around a little bit larger because we're going to make what is called the Hillel sandwich. Hillel was a rabbi that came, uh, was uh, around the time of Herod, and what he did was he explained it this way. We take the unleavened bread. On one side, we smear some horseradish, the bitter herbs, representative of the bitter thyme. And on the other side, we put the chariset. It is the uh, walnuts and the, and the apple and pear and dates and sweetness. And we begin to eat it on the bitter side. We eat the bitter first and we move to the sweet so that it is a, a, a tale of our lives. It is a tale of the Passover. It is a tale of what Christ came to do. On the same bread, we experience the bitterness of sin and the old life, and it moves into, on the same bread, the same Christ brings us life and redemption that is sweet. And so that is, uh, that is how you do that. You're going to eat those together. Now... Yeah. No, you can't use the hidden one. All right. Now, there would be feasting for hours now, singing, Thanksgiving-level feasting food, etc. We will signify, as we do with the Hillel sandwich, the eating of the peace of the lamb. They would feast on lamb and eggs and, and many other things. The lamb is the lamb of sacrifice. Of course, we don't eat the Passover lamb. He is the bread of life, but this is what they would do. And, and eggs were often used to symbolize new life, new life. So on the Passover table, as they would begin their feast, they would have roasted lamb, uh, which you have, and um, and, and eggs, uh, as well as many other things. So feel free as you enjoy the horseradish and the bitterness of the bitter herb and the chariset, the sweetness of redemption. Then they would bring the lamb and they would feast on the egg. It's good. I wonder, yeah, you can. Now, as we... Um, Now, how's everybody doing with that? 
I wonder, I wonder if there are many overweight Jewish people. I don't think so. I, don't, I, I, don't, I can't see them wanting more. But um, now, this is the extent of our dinner. I hope everybody's full. No swimming for an hour. Okay. Or there'll be more bitter herbs for you, young man. Now, the tzafon, the hidden matzah. Find all the hidden matzah. If it's not at your plate, reproduce it. Do you know where it is? Go, go. Yes. You would eat your lamb and your egg at this point. Now the the hidden matzah is once again brought back. This is symbolizing his resurrection. At this point in the dinner, Jesus said those words in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul says, For I received for the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took this bread. The patriarch will take the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now we will each take a piece. Share, share, that, share that bread. And each one take a piece in honor of Jesus. We will pour the third cup. Pour the third cup after you pass around the, the bread. This is the barach, the blessing after the meal. While Christians often say their grace before the meal, the Jews' tradition was to thank God after the meal. They would not so much bless the food as bless the God who provided it. And so they would do that after the meal. And this is the cup of redemption. And they would say a prayer of blessing. But at this point, Jesus said what is recorded in Matthew 26. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks... He gave it to them saying, drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This cup of redemption represents God's new covenant and the very blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Drink this, all of you who are trusting in Jesus' great salvation. The third cup, the cup of redemption. Take it and drink. Pour the fourth cup. This is the cup that celebrates when the Messiah will come and return and gather his people together under his reign forever and ever. This is symbolized by Jesus in Matthew 26 saying, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it again new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
This is the cup of our great hope. He has saved us. He has set us free. He has rescued us. He is saving us. He is setting us free. He is rescuing us. He will save us. He will set us free. He will rescue us. This is the fourth cup. It is Jesus Christ coming again to reunite his people under his rule and his reign. And with this, we celebrate. And as the Jews at the end would say, next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. And what that meant was Jesus was going to gather all of his people from around the globe in one place, rule over them, and he would return. He would, or the Messiah would come. And as Christians, we say he would come again and establish his kingdom forever. So we drink it in hope. We drink it in celebration. We drink it in anticipation. Praise God. There is a final blessing. Final blessing. It's called the day in you. Day in you in Hebrew means it would have been enough. So I'd ask you after each prayer to say the words, it would have been enough. Say it with me. It would have been enough. Had God just saved us from slavery and not taken us out into the wilderness, it would have been enough. It would have been enough. Had he just fed us on manna and not made us his chosen people, it would have been enough. Had he sent his prophets or angels and not his only son, Jesus, it would have been enough. Had Jesus just taught us and not died for our sins, it would have been enough. Had he died but not risen to free us from death, it would have been enough. Had he freed us in the resurrection but not sent us his spirit, it would have been enough. Had he sent his spirit but not become alive in us, it would have been enough. Had he lived in us but not set a place for us at his eternal supper, it would have been enough. It would have for us but not for him. He loves his people and he will not rest until they are free. That's what we celebrate. That's what we're invited into throughout history. God calling a people through which he can show his great love, his great grace, his great mercy. And through them, bless the world in a new creation. It would have been enough for us, but it wasn't for him. And so we have all the glories that are celebrated in this and more that we still can't grasp and understand. He has passed over us because we're under the blood. Happy Passover.